0: Well, look, we, we're going to go ahead and get into our series. Last week began uh, our summer series, and it was titled Got Fruit. Uh, so what that's going to look like for us throughout the summer, our goal is very simple. Uh, we, we just want to help people to grow and, and nurture their spiritual health. You know, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about foundations, And it's so very important that we have a solid and strong foundation. But after the foundation, now it's time to continue to build ourselves up so that we can grow in Christ, so that we can do what? Go out there and be the mouthpiece of Christ. So that's what our goal is this summer. And uh, so, so as we look at this series, we have to examine ourselves, right? We have to examine ourselves because you know, like I know, Everything that I do is not what I want to do, right? So we have to examine ourselves. Now, you know, from a biblical perspective, those, those things that are good that I do, we call those things the fruit of the Spirit. As believers, the Holy Spirit is operating on the inside of us, and we do good things. However, the other side of the fence, all of my actions aren't so pure, Right? I heard the worship team says, "This is such a pure moment." Y'all heard that. All of our actions aren't so pure. and Scripture calls those things that are not pure those bad things. He calls those things the flesh or the works of the flesh. So you can begin to see that inside of every believer, and even if you're not a believer, there's a struggle, there's a tension going on on the inside of us. Now, the scriptures let us know that God has given us the power to overcome this little thing trying to talk to me, and I ain't even talking. Did y'all hear that? Okay. Okay. I hope she stops that. Okay, but anyway, we got to overcome this lady who's trying to talk to me through my. Okay, I think it stopped there. I'm not. It says something went wrong. Please try again. Yeah, something went wrong. I don't know what happened to her. I'm gonna stand over here and just preach over here on this side. But anyway, scriptures let us know, guys, that, that we are overcomers, and and that doesn't mean that we are perfect, but that does let us know that those times that we don't do it just right. We missed out on an opportunity to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit that is in our lives. Now, you may have heard last week that the way the series is going to play out, each of the pastors is going to talk about one of the fruit of the Spirit. And then on the backside of the sermon, we're going to talk about the opposite of that fruit, right? If we got good and evil working on the inside of us, we want to know and be able to identify the good, Right, but we also want to get a clear picture of what the opposer, or what the opposite of the fruit of the spirit is in our lives. So, we, we, I, I want to just start off with a real good example to let you guys know that y'all are imperfect like me. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and do this. Everybody, raise your hands if you want to live and eat healthier. Raise your hand. I should be every hand in here. Everybody wants to live and eat healthy. Keep your hands raised. Keep your hands raised. All you good wannabes, drop your hands if you don't know what to do. There we go. We all know what to do, right? You can lower your hands. We all know what to do to live healthier and better lives, but we sometimes don't do what we know to do is right. And we know that cake. We know the impact. I'm going to tell you guys, I'm going to tell you what one of the most discouraging things is, is to be on the treadmill for like 40, 50 minutes, and it tells you, you've lost, uh, uh, you, you've worked off 400 calories. You're going to eat a sneaker in 30 seconds. And you've eaten 600 calories. I'm like, was it really worth it? Why can I just enjoy the sneaker and keep going on? But anyway, there's a struggle. <laughs> I'm not encouraging you to eat that cake after lunch today, all right? It's like, the pastor said, don't even fight it. Just give in to it. <laughs> no, that's not what we're saying today. But Paul in the book of Galatians talks about this struggle that's in us. And, 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 and he says it in Galatians 5, 16 through 17. He says, but I say walk by the... Spirit, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So you kind of see the two contending spirits right there. Spirit of flesh, the spirit of flesh, spirit of, uh, the fruit of the spirit and the spirit of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you won't to do and otherwise these things hinder you from doing what you know to do is right we know we want to eat healthier but yet and still we're gonna go out y'all know how we're gonna do lunch right so true story this is not in my notes but i had to share this with you because it's a funny it's funny to me y'all know how when we sit down at the table and we pray and we just be thanking lord for the food and father we ask you to bless those that have not And God, and then we 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 get real spiritual. We start saying stuff like, "Lord, will you please take out everything that is impure?" Lord, don't let it enter into this temple of the Holy Ghost. We get all spiritual. You know, and, and, and one time I was thinking through that, and, and I, I saw a little kid as we were sitting around. My, think about Thanksgiving table when it's just loaded with all that bad food, right? I imagine a little kid as we were praying so desperately with our eyes closed, coming and getting that macaroni cheese, coming and getting all the cakes and the pies, and just taking them off the table so that when you say, it, Amen when you open your eyes, wasn't there nothing left but them green beans? Would that not have been funny? Right? We know what to do. Yet still, we put it on the table in front of us. But that's our flesh and our spirit fighting. So let's let's take a little bit, uh, a closer look at those two entities. What is the flesh? The term flesh is often used to refer to the physical body. Yep. We have a spirit right? We have a soul and it's in this physical body that you see. But from a biblical perspective, the flesh also relates back to the fall of man, right? Adam and Eve, perfect relationship with God. When they sinned, they were separated from him. And now they were on the And we don't like to say this a lot of times, but they were now under the rule and authority of Satan. They lost that relationship. So that is now called our fleshly nature. If you've been in church for any length of time, it's called the nature, our sin nature. That's another word for flesh. The flesh does what? It creates the works of the flesh. Flesh Its output is works of the flesh. These are actions that flow out of our sin nature. And they're generally selfish in nature. Is anybody selfish in here? That's a little bit of truth. I got a little bit more to go. We're going to get y'all all to the end here in a minute. We'll be like, yeah, I'm selfish, brother. I need the love of God in my life. Right, so we got the flesh. This scripture also talks about the fruit of the spirit. What is the fruit of the spirit? Completely the opposite. The fruit of the spirit is completely opposite of the works of the flesh. And you might say, well, what is the biggest difference? The biggest difference is the source. The source of the fruit of the spirit is the power of God working in our lives. The source of the works of the flesh is Satan working in our lives. So the fruit of the spirit is completely opposite of the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh is our enemy. So let's go ahead and put that next scripture up there. This is the scripture. This is the foundational scripture that we're going to be utilizing for the weeks that we're going to be going through the summer series. And I believe Pastor, uh, Pastor Van was here last week and he talked about patience. Did anybody get anything out of it? Was it patience or peace? Wasn't it? It was patience. Okay. All right. So he got that from this scripture right here, Galatians 5, 22, and 25, 22 through 25. So each pastor that comes through is going to be talking about one of these fruits. All right. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self control and self control against such thing, there is no law. There is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It goes on to say in verse 25 that if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Keeping in step reminds me of us nurturing and growing and our relationship with Christ. We got to keep in step with the Spirit. Sometimes the Spirit is trying to tell us to go in this direction, and we we'll are like, no, 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 no. Let's go this way. But we know that the Spirit is always right. Can we agree with that? The Holy Spirit is always right. You're not going to work your fleshly act in your life or your sin. Like, you know what? Holy Spirit, I was right. I told you I was right. I told you I was was right. We we should have gone over here. I told her just the way it should have been told. She got my point, didn't she? She got my point. Well, yeah, you crushed her. (laughs) We got to walk by the Spirit and not according to our flesh. So which are the fruits that we're going to talk about today? We're going to talk about love. Love. I think this is the most important of all the fruits. I think this is numero, numeral, number one most important. Number one, the first reason why I think that, it, 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 it is the first one in the list. It's the first one in the list. I believe that as you study scripture, there's importance on why things are listed first, second, and third. The second reason why I believe that this is important, scripture lets us know that God is love. That's the foundation of all that we do and all who we are. That's why I think that this one is so, so very important. Third, if we don't have love, that list of fruit of the Spirit, you can about forget about it. You can about just cancel Christmas if we don't understand this thing that we're going to talk about, love. Because love anchors this list. Because in how it anchors this list, Jesus must be the fruit of our lives. Y'all see the parallel there? Anchor, it's the first, it's the most important. Jesus must also be the root of our lives in order for us to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Scripture clearly teaches that upon salvation that we are filled with the Spirit. Did y'all know that? We learned that in foundations, right? Upon salvation, we are infilled with the Holy Spirit. So the question then is... Why aren't we producing the fruit of the Spirit? Raise your hand if you're a believer here today. Do we always produce the fruit of the Spirit? No. Would we like to do better? Yes, we would. So I think in order for us to change the fruit in our lives, we must change the root. If you want to change the fruit on an apple tree, which you can't, because the root is for an apple tree. However, as a believer, when we begin to work in the, walk in the works of the flesh, we have to begin to look at the, fruit, at the root, what's driving us to do these things as we've already learned that I don't want to do. So to change the fruit, you must change the root. So let's look a little bit closer at love. When you hear a word like love, I know what you're already thinking. Oh my God, we finna get my marriage on track today. We finna help me get that relationship that I've been holding offense since the third grade against Sally Sue and Johnny Mac. We finna get all the problems of the world resolved right here in the day. Not even close. <laughs> Not even close. But I will tell you this. If we get a hold of the love that we're going to talk about today, it will greatly improve all of those other relationships and types of love that are out there. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The love between a husband and a wife, that's a type of love. The love between a a parent and a child, that's a type of love. Then we got the friendship love. Look, we're not going to break all We don't have enough time to break all of those down. But I can assure you this. If you get this love that we're going to be talking about today, If you get centered up on that one, the rest of those are going to benefit greatly. So this love that we're talking about today, defined or described in the scripture that we read, is called agape, agape love. That's the Greek word for that love that is mentioned. In the context of the fruit of the spirit, agape refers to, I want y'all to remember these three terms, selfless, sacrificial, and unconditional Selfless, sacrificial, and unconditional. Those are the three main components of this love that we call agape love that we're going to do. Because why is this so important? Because it seeks the good of others above self. Now, if you read that definition slowly, you, you probably think, oh my God, I am in trouble. Selfless? Sacrificial? Unconditional, seeks the love of, uh, seeks seek, seek the good of others before myself. Some of you probably deep within saying, Are you crazy? You want me to lose so they can win? You want me to defer myself so they can get ahead? That's the type of love that we're talking about here. This love is when others get the credit. God gets the glory, and we have the joy of eternal rewards. Church, you may not always get your reward and your pat on the back here on earth when we're talking about this kind of love. And for the believer, that has to be okay. We have to learn to get our approval from God and not that every time I've done some good, somebody came and pat me on my back to make me poke my chest out and begin over time, begin to walk in pride and begin to think that we're something and we're really not. We got to get a grip on this. We cannot produce this type of love in and of ourselves. So we have to ask ourselves then, who is the author of this love? Where do I get this type of love from? How do I get this fruit of the Spirit operating in our life? First, we got, again, the author is God. I don't think that's that's a secret to anybody in this room. 1 John 4 and 8 says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. There is so much writing on this scripture right here, church. This, this scripture talks about our entire relationship with God. You cannot not love and say that you are in a relationship with God. It says anyone who does not love, we got to have. This is a prerequisite. This is a requirement that the believer must have. If not, it says we don't know God. And the reason why this scripture is so important to us today because the world said that they were, the scripture says, they will know that you are mine by the love that you show toward each other. Amen. You, you see where there might be a gap in why the world sometimes want to run away from the church? If we're not exhibiting this type of love, our society has fed us such a rich diet of emotional exchanges in an effort to define love today, making it a challenge to see what biblical love really is. Guys, we got to know that love transcends our emotional feelings. Oh my God, I've never seen so many offended and hurt people in my life. And then, soon as somebody does something like, you don't love me. And that's not the case at all. We can love and, and, and respond and disagree and still love you. But the world will teach you today there is no way possible for you to disagree with me and say that you love me at the same time. They don't understand this agape love that we're talking about. Amy Carmichael said it like this. She says, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Look at that statement. Breathe it in. Let let, let it sink in. I'm gonna read it again. You can give without loving. Y'all know that to be true. You can give without loving. Here you go. Here's 10. Here you go. I remind us kids, used to say, I'm, I, I might be sitting down when parents tell them to do something. They say, I might be sitting down, but I'm standing up on the inside. Y'all have heard that before? <laughs> <laughs> Sit down. Okay. But on the inside, I'm standing up, strong and straight, rebelling. <laughs> you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. The first part of that statement says, I give so I will receive. Strings are attached to that. I'm going to do this, but you better give me this in return. And if you don't, buddy, you better look out. I'm going to let you know. I give so I can receive. But this agape love says, I love so I give. I give because I love. No strings attached. Here's this gift or I'm going to do this for you, and I don't care if you never do anything in return. That's what agape love looks like. Let's look at a few more contrasts between agape love and worldly love. Agape love is centered on the mind and the heart of God. Centered on the mind of God. Worldly love is centered on what? Self. (laughs) I'm gonna give my notes to whoever said they were like, self. Right? We're centered on the heart and the mind of God. We want what's best for God. And what God wants us to do agape love is where forgiveness of the enemy lives I forgive my brothers when they hurt me worldly love is the home of vindication I'm going to get you back you ain't going to even know when it's coming I got your number you know what I'm saying just vindictive agape love says live, it's the land of grace and mercy where freely we've received so freely we give worldly love is filled with retribution and vengeance Agape love is when we truly understand that there's no greater love than for a man to lay down his life for another. Worldly love thinks more highly of oneself. Y'all can clearly see the contrast there. Jesus expressed agape love best on the cross. And y'all remember the scene? He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What was Jesus really saying? Those people knew what they were doing. I, I, I know when I hurt my wife. You know when you hurt your spouse. When Jesus says, Father, forgive them, they don't, don't, they don't know what they're doing. Well, he was really saying, if you look at it a little bit deeper, he's saying, Father, they don't understand this love. They don't understand this love. They don't understand why I am still here. They don't understand why I'm sacrificing. They don't understand why I went through that hell last night, even up to this point in time to where I'm stressed out on the cross. They knew what they were doing, but they didn't understand the love that they were seeing. They were misinterpreting. And many of them were probably saying, we got him now. The enemy said he's been running and dipping and disappearing out of crowds. We got him now, stressed out here. And Jesus said, forgive them. That was that agape love. They didn't understand the love. They did not understand that even if he could have gotten off that cross, he didn't. He went on to say in Romans 8 and 35, he says like this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who, that word who, I looked at this this morning as I was looking over my notes. Who, it's not talking about a what or a thing. Who is people? When we look at our lives, when we look at the love relationships and the things and that offend us and that hurt us most, it's most times people. And I believe that's why this scripture says Who? shall separate us from the love of Christ. It lets us know that this is going to be the angle that the enemy is going to be coming in after us. It's going to be through people, through our close relationships, through our work relationships, through our children. Yes. This scripture says, who can separate us from the love of Christ? It goes on to list, to list some of those things that these individuals are going to try to throw at us. Tribulation, distress, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or the sword, Christ is saying, none of that will separate me from you. Romans eight thirty seven goes on to says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers not even the enemy. He has no power over you. He's been defeated. Hell, death, and the grave defeated. All now surrenders and fall under the authority of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. No power, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, there is absolutely nothing that you can do to stop God from loving you. Just as the way he demonstrated that through Jesus on the cross. Why, for the church today, am I yelling at you? (laughs) I want you to see why this love is so critical for us to walk in. I want to share with you three quick reasons why it's so critical. The first is, it's our best outward demonstration that we love God. It's that outward demonstration. I've heard people say that the, only, that the first Bible that people will probably read will probably be the Bible of your life. It's that outward demonstration that we love God. John 4, 1 John 4 and 20 says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a what? Liar. 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 For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. This scripture comes a little bit after that first scripture we read earlier, 1 John 4 and 8. He says, you cannot say that you love and don't love God. The two just don't go together. Well, here's another one. You can't say you love God and don't love your brother. This is our outward demonstration that we love God. The second, it exposes the world's greatest enemy. Somebody said it over here earlier. Selfishness. Selfishness, I believe, is one of the world's greatest enemies. Luke nine and twenty three says, and he said to all, "If anyone would come after me, let him unconditional, sacrificial, selflessness. Those are the three main components, guys. We got to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily. Daily, we have to do this, not on Sundays." Not just in this room. It really matters when we get out of this room, when the pressures of this world come. How do we respond? How do we love? How do we help each other? How do we go out of our way? Another reason why it's so critical for us is that it connects us to Christ. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, and without faith it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. But this scripture is letting us know that when we don't walk in this love that we've been talking about, this relationship with God, our faith gets impacted. And when our faith gets impacted, this scripture right here lets us know it's gonna be challenging for us to please God. So when we're not pleasing God and when we're not walking in this love, we're gonna transition now, begin to talk about the opposer of love. When we're not walking in this love, Scripture lets us know that we are walking in fear. That's the opposite of love for today's message. It is fear. Now, before I get into the fleshly and the worldly fear, I want to talk just briefly about a healthy fear. Did y'all know that that was a healthy fear? All right, we got a lot of nodding on the head, so y'all know where I'm going. This healthy fear is an approach to God with reverence, devotion, and respect that takes precedence over all other things and persons. That's the healthy fear. We need that. Y'all notice something that makes me laugh? Just a little side note. Healthy fats. Don't eat fat. These are healthy fats. I can eat this. Well, this is the healthy fear, okay? This would be like an avocado. Avocado is a healthy fat. I love avocados. I eat it straight out the shell. This fear takes an honest look at ourselves and at God and concludes that we need him desperately in this life. We need him desperately. That's what the healthy fear is. Now, let's look at the fleshly fear. Here we go. Very simple definition. Any belief or feeling about God that can drive us outside of God's will. Believing anything or accepting anything that's not true about God, you're walking in a fleshly fear. It may not look like you rebelling or going off on that person is a is a fear. You're like, uh, matter of fact, you might say that's the last thing. I ain't, I ain't afraid. I'm ready right now. When you when you back into that thing, when you back into it, you're operating out of a fear. Fear will always tell you that God's not big enough to handle your situation. So that's why you had to go off on her. That's why you had to go off on him. It was out of fear because you didn't trust God to do what he said he would do. What God said is, is that I will fight your battles and the victory is yours. Well, we're saying, no, no, I'm going to fight my own battle and and, and I'm going to create my own victory right here and right now. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I, I got this. I got that. I brought my own fruit today. We don't need your fruit today. Don't need your love today. I'm just going to walk in fear. That's what f- fleshly fear looks like. So we have to go on to say, I, wanna, I, I before I get to this next point, I, I want to use a, a, a story in the Bible to kind of denote and show you this fear in full swing. All, all of us have seen the movie of, of how the children of Israel was, was, was freed out of Egypt and, and they went out into the wilderness. But I, I, I want to show you a good, clear picture of fear operating there. Y'all remember the scene when they was at the foot of Mount Sinai and, and, and God was about to come down and talk to them? It, it was fear operating there. and I, I'm, I'm going to blow this up real quick and then we're going to move on. But it was, it was fear that made them put their, fa- their past before God. All right, it was fear that put their comforts before God. Remember all the times that they were crying out to Moses about the water and where's my food, Moses? Moses, I want some meat. Remember all that stuff? That was all driven out of fear. They, they, they put their familiarity before God. Remember there were times when they began to go back and say, I wish we were back in Egypt. I mean, man, you've been praying over for 400 years for God to let you out. You run into a snag, you're like, I want to go back to Egypt. 400 years. And it was ultimately fear that drove them to desire the voice of man over God. This is what the scripture says, and I won't read the scripture verbatim, but in, in Exodus 20, you can go back and read it yourself. This is what they told Moses, and this is key. He says, Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. This is what the children of Israel told him. Guys, it was just a couple of days prior to he had just parted the Red Sea. Delivered them out of four hundred years of bondage, and then they turn right around when he come down. Now again, I I, I, maybe you know the mountain on fire, (laughs) the smoke. Maybe I I I can't say what I would have done there. We get the benefit of looking back and saying, "Are you crazy? That was God on that mountain. He was in your presence." So anyway, I, I, I'm going to cut them a little slack. We, again, we just get the benefit of being able to say, you know, man, they, they, they probably weren't all there. Man, I don't know if I would do if, if the whole city of Ocean Springs caught on fire and God wanted to talk to the world today through Ocean Springs. I'm, I'm like, okay, oh, Pastor Mike, you're over there in Israel. Can you, can you talk? Is Jesus over there? I don't know how we would handle that. But they went on to say, Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. Do not let God speak to us lest we die. This is what Moses said. Again, we're contrasting love and fear. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you, that you may sin not. You know what? This is what I have found in Scripture. A lot of times we take God's no's and we turn them into nevers. We take God's no's And and, and what we don't understand is God is telling you no so that you can be freer over here. But what the world has told us is that God is against you. That's why he's so hard. That's why he's so mean. That's why. But that's not the case. That is fear operating in their lives. This fear came from Satan, guys, and we can't, we can't overlook this. We can't belittle this and make this small in our life. This level of fear, the same fear that gripped these people that day when God was trying to speak to them, this same fear grips us today. And the author of it, of course, is Satan. 2 Timothy 1 7 says, For God gave us a spirit, what? Not of fear. But of power, that's the Holy Spirit working in us, and love, this agape love, the fruit of the Spirit, and self-control. You can kind of clearly see that there's a struggle between this fruit of the Spirit and this fear of Satan that he puts on us. But in all of our goings, church, we have to understand this one thing. This one thing right here, I believe, would have changed the outcome of the children of Israel in that wilderness if they had just shut the door on fear. Because what we have to understand is this, fear tolerated is love contaminated. Fear tolerated is love contaminated. Where does fear come from? Satan. Satan. Where does love come from? It comes from God. He is the source. When we open the door and let fear come in, we've contaminated the love of God. In spite of God saying that nothing can separate you from my love, far too many times we separate ourselves from God's love because we have allowed fear to come in. Even today, the world is walking in fear of God. We trust in our own understanding, and we trust in our own traditions. We often hear the question, how can a loving God? Have y'all ever heard somebody answer? How can a loving God, you can just fill in the blank. How can a loving God? This is why people ask that question. They don't understand that God they love. They don't understand Agape love it's the same thing that when they were crucifying Jesus they didn't understand Agape love we're still today don't understand this type of love and we ask crazy questions like how can a loving God allow Grandmama to die how can a loving God allow this country to, to get beaten up in war? how can a loving God how can a loving God tell me? what my gender is. How can a loving God through Scripture define how I I feel? How can a loving God tell me and teach me about homosexuality? Can I do what I want to do when I want to do it? When we don't understand this love We walk in fear, and fear makes us question the commands of God. We have taken the commands of God and turned them into questions for discussion. And guys, there is no discussion. There is one true God. There is one true truth. Everything is not debatable. Everything is not debatable. We we have taken the the very word of God and we question God as we are the author of love, as as if we are the creators. But we are the created. We were created to worship him. He designed us. We didn't design him. How can a loving God? Be careful when we ask those types of questions. Some of you here today may be asking that. How can a loving God? The reason why God speaks so bluntly in his word against those things that are hurting this world today, that are hurting you right now, is because he loves you. Fear today would make us believe that God's wrath against sin seems too intolerant. It's too intolerant to our modern sensibilities. Fear today makes us think that God is mean. You, you, you may have heard of it, He's so mean. How can a loving God be so mean? Fear makes us believe that due to our own minimization of sin, that the brutal death of the Son of God on the cross seems like far too high of a price to pay for our small sins. Our world has minimized sin. We've minimized sin. Our world today will say in instances like that, God, you went too far. Draw the line right here. Fear will also make us believe that good is evil and evil is good. I'm amazed at the things that I see and hear today. I'm like, man, that is just flat out evil. But that's good. That's great. They'll go so far to say, that's of God. And it's a sad, it's a sad, sad state. The sadness of fear full blown in our lives is that whenever we come against the stark reality that God is holy and we are not when we see that God is holy and we are not just as the children of Israel did just as we do today the temptation is to say to God shut up our temptation when we recognize that God is holy and we get tired of hearing his truth we are tempted to tell God to shut up we're tempted to say don't say that we're tempted to say don't read that Bible in that church you are offending some people It's happening. There are some places right now, I'd probably be on my way to jail. But just using the words that I've used today, fear makes us do that. Fear tells us that God is mean, He's hard. Fear makes us tell God that He's wrong and we're right. Fear tolerated is love contaminated. 1 John 4 and 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We want to be perfected in love. And God is the perfecter of that. I'll think about the scene on the cross. And we've kind of talked about this a little bit. We're talking about love. Love. And this may be able to apply to those of you today that don't have a love relationship with God or any type of relationship with God. And you've heard us talk a little bit this morning about Him being crucified on the cross. And you probably wonder why it would anybody in their right mind allow somebody to do that? Pastor Mike talking about He let them do it. And if you don't believe He let them do it, Matthew 26:53 and 54, He says this do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be be fulfilled that it must be so? Scripture's letting us know that he could have called down legions. I don't know exactly how many a legion is, but it's a lot. Really and truly it only took one. He could have said enough of this, but he didn't. It was love. It was love for you while you were still sinners. To the church today, if we want to change our works of flesh, the fear that operates and grips us from time to time, we got to begin to understand this love and ask God to co-labor with us to help us to walk in it. Y'all understood the definition as I read it. We can't do this in our own strength. It's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit. So we got love we got the opposer, the enemy. I'm hoping today that you will choose to walk in love. Let's get along with God. Father, we come to you today. We thank you for the truth of your word. Father, we thank you for everybody, every person that is sitting in a chair today. Father, we ask God that you begin to saturate our hearts, God, with your love. Help us to know that you love us. Therefore, God, your desire is that we love you back putting others first, serving, Father God, sacrificially, giving sacrificially, forgiving those that have harmed us. Father, we admit today that we can't do it in our own strength and we, we need you. Father, there are some in this room that don't understand why you allow yourself to be crucified on that cross. Father, we're going to give invitation right now, God, for them to that don't know you to have an opportunity to, to forgive you and so if there's anyone here in this room today that does not have a relationship with God and you, you want to experience this type of love that we just talked about, the love that's, that, 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 that's gonna give you an opportunity to have a, a right relationship with God, we're gonna give you an opportunity to, right now to just pray a simple prayer with me to acknowledge God as Lord of your life. If that's what you want to do, Please repeat after me. Say something like this. Dear Lord, please forgive me of my sins. I am far away from you. I did not know it. I didn't know that you died on the cross for my sins. And that I can be forgiven. I did not know that the debt has been paid. But now I know, now. Dear Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I confess you today as my Lord and as my Savior. Teach me to know you. And teach me how to love the way you love. All the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Church, let's give it up for those that gave their life to Christ today.